Luke the 17th chapter. Verses 10 through 19. That should say 11. I just noticed that. <laughs> that should be 11 through 19. I'm going to go ahead and put this introduction uh, slide up there. Let you take a look at that. And uh, I'll mention some of these things. We don't always give thanks as we should. Uh, and we should acknowledge the giver, the gift, and the benefit. So three points this morning. Don't forget to say thank you. Asking, receiving, and then receiving and returning. Before we begin, let me ask you a uh, couple of questions. Do you always remember to say thanks? And does anybody ever have to remind you, did you say thanks for that? You know, we do that a lot with our kids, don't we? We try to teach them to be thankful for the things they receive and tell them to be sure and say thanks. Let me ask you this also. Have you ever done for something for someone and then later you think to yourself, well, they they didn't even say thank you. (laughs) And so you're just kind of like, well, I don't know if they appreciated, I don't know if they appreciated that or not. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration, but I want to qualify this before I give you this illustration. We've had various ones within this congregation in the last year or so get married. This is an illustration that is taken from marriage, weddings, and that kind of thing. I'm not picking on you, okay? But uh, this just kind of came to my mind because my wife and I have had kind of some chuckles over the years based on what I'm going to tell you here. You ever go to a wedding and, uh, as tradition, you, you give somebody a gift. And then a month or two months or whatever kind of protocol etiquette is, you know, they send out these cards. But have you ever received a card? And on the envelope, there's your name. There's the address. It came to your house. But you open up the card and it says, thank you so much for the gift. And then they sign it. Sincerely, whoever it is. (laughs) And my wife and I have kind of chuckled at those kind of things and said the name's not even on there (laughs) and the gift isn't even stated do they remember what we gave them (laughs) so think about this what if you received a card and it said dear so and so and your name was stated there thank you so much for the waffle iron. We enjoy making breakfast on the weekends and we love waffles. We will put it to good use. Thank you so much, sincerely, and they sign it. Now what's the difference? Well, they acknowledged the giver. They acknowledged the gift and they stated the benefit that they received. You see the difference? And so I want you to think about that this morning as we give consideration to Luke the 17th chapter in verses 11 through 19. In Luke the 17th chapter verses 12 through 17, we read that this morning. So this is a story about 10 lepers. But after Jesus heals 
All ten of them. Only one of them comes back. And you look at that kind of thing and you think, wow. There were ten people who had leprosy. Jesus healed all of them. And one out of ten came back to say thank you. Now I want to transition for just a moment. And think with me about how sometimes we're, we maybe don't say thanks the way we should. And do you ever stop and think about the reasons why sometimes that we don't say thanks the way that we, we should? Now, I hope you noticed Colby's prayer this morning. <laughs> Thankful for everybody's prayer, but I hope you kind of noticed his prayer. Do you ever say, thank you, Lord, for my blessings? You ever say that? <laughs> I have a tendency of catching myself saying that kind of thing. But that's just pretty broad. That's just kind of pretty general, isn't it? And then so sometimes we kind of have to think, well, that's kind of a blanket prayer. That's kind of a blanket thanksgiving. But it wasn't very specific. And that's why I mentioned Colby's prayer. He got kind of specific, didn't he? <laughs> and so sometimes we have to think to ourselves, why is it that we aren't specific? Or why isn't someone specific in their prayers? Maybe we're busy. Thank you, Lord. I got to go. <laughs> or... Maybe we just got too many questions on our mind. Well, Lord, thank you for this, but you know I've been thinking about this other thing. <laughs> that kind of thing. Or maybe we're just tired, and maybe we're just exhausted. And maybe we don't do that. Let me tell you what one writer said as I was kind of preparing for this lesson. He said he was standing in a cemetery on one occasion. And that, you know how you notice names and you notice dates and all these kind of things? He said, I read these names, but I didn't know anything about the people, the person that was buried there. And he said, I thought to myself, you know what would be helpful? If they would put punctuation marks on their markers. Grammatical punctuation marks. He goes, because you know some folks ought to have a question mark on their marker. Because some people are like Job. They're always wondering why things happen. Why did this have to happen, Lord? Or why, Lord, aren't you doing something about this? And they're just kind of always questioning. And then he said, you know, some people probably ought to have a comma on their marker. He said because their life is just packed with things. They're going here, they're going there, they're getting this, they're going that. It's like going to the grocery store and your wife tells you, get the milk, whip the bread, get the eggs, get the bacon, get... <laughs> and it's comma, 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 comma. And he said that's the way some people's lives are. And he said if they would put a comma on there, then I'd know a little something about that person.
You ever know anybody like that? Know anybody like like Job that's always kind of questioning, why did this have to happen? Why is this going on? Why isn't the Lord doing something about this? You ever know anybody like that? You ever know anybody that's just so busy that it seems like they never really pause to give thanks? I think Jesus talked about a woman like that, didn't he? Wasn't that Martha? (laughs) You're just so busy and so worried about so many things. And then he said, you know what? He goes, some people ought to have a period (laughs) on, on their marker. He said it's kind of tragic, but that's the way it is sometimes in life. He said sometimes people come to a certain point in their life and their life just kind of stops right there. Something tragic happened and they just can't seem to move on. And they're always tied to that. And they can't be really thankful for what they have here because they keep thinking about back here. He says, you know, that can happen with abuse, physical, mental. It can happen with neglect, rejection. It can happen with death. It can happen with divorce. It can happen with betrayal. It can happen with abandonment. He said it's like their life has a great big period. And they just never were able to get beyond that. He said sometimes older people may experience the loss of someone and then there's this big period that is put there and they can't look forward because they constantly look back. And then he said sometimes with young people something happens in their life and there's that period and then they can't seem to write the next sentence. It's hard to move forward. So let me ask you. If there was a punctuation mark for your life, which one would it be? I'm going to give you another option. What if it had a big explanation Explanation mark. <laughs> Let me say that right. And then right before it, it said thanks. Explanation mark. Oh, I know something about that person. And I know the way they live their life. Luke, the 17th chapter, and verses 11 through 19, that's where this comes in. And it tells a story about ten lepers. And it tells a story about one who came back to say thanks. And you know, as you read that story, you've got to stop and think. What happened with the other nine? Were they just so busy? They didn't have time to come back?
were they just constantly questioning? Well, I got healed, but what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> you know? And then some of them might have been, why did I ever have leprosy to begin with? And those are the folks that sometimes said, the glass is always half empty. You ever know anybody like that? You can't ever focus on the part that's full. They're always focused on the part that's empty, the part that's missing. And so they really can't enjoy the part that is there. And so you have to wonder about these other nine. Why didn't they come back? I'm going to say this before we move on. Every first day of the week, we pause and we come here and we give thanks. But sometimes people don't. A majority of the world is not gathered today. And you have to ask yourself, why? That's not being critical. It's just asking yourself, why? Only one of those ten was their life marked with that thanks. And so he returned. Now I want you to think about something else to go along with that. Luke records this story. Luke is the writer of this gospel. Luke was a physician. Luke was a historian. Luke was a researcher. Luke was an interviewer. Because we know when we read the introduction to the gospel of Luke and when we read the introduction to the gospel of Acts, he says, I'm setting these things in order... And he sought out eyewitnesses to these, to these things. And so he wrote these things down. And he addressed it to somebody. You know who he addressed it to? <laughs> Theophilus. Luke says, I researched these things. I'm setting them in order for you. Most excellent Theophilus. I want you to read these things, Theophilus. And it's kind of amazing to think out of all the things that Jesus did, out of all the things that he taught, Luke includes this story in his gospel. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Now as he went around and he researched these things and he interviewed various people and eyewitnesses and so forth, can you imagine him sitting there and some of these stories that he was told, well, I don't think I'm going to include that one. <laughs> but when he hears this story, wait a minute, what'd you say? <laughs> there were ten lepers. Jesus healed every one of them. And only one of them came back. You're kidding me. <laughs> they had leprosy? And Jesus cured every one of them? And only one of them came back to say thank you? i got to write this down. 
<laughs> I want Theophilus. I want Theophilus to read this. So what was it like when he heard various accounts? And he decided to include this account. Theophilus, I want you to read this. I want this to be impressed upon you, Theophilus. I'm writing to help instill faith in you, Theophilus, about this one Jesus of Nazareth. But I want you to think about this. And I want you to ask yourself, Theophilus, what would your response be? And I want you to think about what Jesus said about the nine. And I want you to think about what Jesus said about the one who returned. This is important, Theophilus. It's so important that I included this. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to reflect on it. It's important for your faith. It's important for your life, Theophilus. So he records that. In Luke, the 17th chapter. I want to read to you now verses 11 through 14. It said, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. So Luke records this story, this occasion. Jesus is traveling from up north, Galilee, and he's headed down to Jerusalem. And it says that he came to this certain village. Back during that period of time, and as you look on the map that records that kind of area in that day and time, there were certain there were various little villages along the way, and people as they traveled would oftentimes stop and they might be able to buy food, they might be able to get water, they might rest for a little bit. And so it's pretty obvious, without giving all the details, that they must have heard that Jesus was coming. And Luke doesn't tell us what particular village that it was, but he does tell us that there were ten men, there were ten lepers, and they were waiting for Jesus. And as Jesus came, they shouted out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But it also says in verses 12 and 13, they were standing far off. Does that sound familiar today? That's the original social distancing right there. (laughs) Ten lepers, and they're standing far off, and they shout their request. Some translations say, have mercy. Some translations say, have pity on us. Ten lepers. This horrible disease that they had. And they would be outcasts from the community. They would have to be separated. 
not allowed around family or friends or the rest of the community. And whenever they walked down the street, if they thought they were going to come in contact with somebody, they were supposed to shout, unclean, unclean. And so now they see Jesus coming and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity, have mercy on us. They must have heard that this Jesus of Nazareth, that he had healed other people. He had healed blind people. He had healed deaf people. He had healed people that couldn't speak. He had healed people that were lame. And so now they come and they're going to make their request. Have mercy. Take pity on us. And so Jesus sees them. And I think it's kind of interesting the way in which he responds. He says, go show yourself to the priests. They believed that he could do it. And he told them, go show yourselves to the priests. And they responded. And as they're going, what happens? They're cleansed. You ever thought about that too? I've never seen a leper. I've read about leprosy. And I've oftentimes thought about that particular verse that it says as they went they were cleansed. Did that just happen all of a sudden? I could assume. Or did it all of a sudden start to clear up? And it just the molecules realign the skin heals and then you see I'm cured. I don't know exactly how it happened. I know it's amazing. I know it's a miracle. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. Because in that day and time, it was the priests that would examine you and determine whether or not you were fit to once again return to society, return back to the community. But there's something else that's rather astounding that happens after that. Kind of bewildering in a way. I'm going to read verse 15 through 19 now. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten that were cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So Luke records 
one. One of them returned, and with a loud voice, he glorified God, and he fell down at the feet of Jesus, and he gave him thanks. He realized the blessing that he had received. He paused, he returned, and he heads straight for Jesus. And he falls down at his feet. And this time there's no social distancing. And this time he's not shouting unclean, unclean. This time he's glorifying God. And then Luke adds, he was a Samaritan. And we all know that then during that day and time, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They were like outcasts. So this was an outcast of outcasts. And Luke records that, and that should have been an eye-opener for him. And Jesus says, none except this one, this foreigner, returns to give thanks. And then in verse 17, Jesus responds with three questions. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And so you read that and you ask yourself, weren't they all blessed? Yeah, they all were. (laughs) They were all blessed. Weren't they all grateful? Well, it's not stated, but I would assume, yes. (laughs) We've been cleansed of our leprosy. I go back to my family. I go back to my job. I go back to the synagogue. I go back to the temple. I go back to community. I've got my life back. So you'd think they'd be grateful, right? I think they were grateful. But you see... Right there is where we have to make a point. They were all changed physically. I know that because Luke records that for me. They were all changed physically. But one was different. What I understand from this, one person's gratefulness was turned into thankfulness. Now you might say, what's the big deal? (laughs) Kind of subtle, isn't it? (laughs) They were grateful, they were thankful, yada, yada. (laughs) You know why it's no big deal to us? Because as English-speaking people, we just throw words around and we just use different words for different things without ever really making a distinction sometimes. And so we take grateful and we take thankful and we just kind of interchange them. Were you grateful? Yep. Were you thankful? Yep. Okay, good enough. And that's kind of the way we read this and we think, well, they must have all been grateful. But there's a difference. 
And I know it's subtle, and yes, it is. But it's essential. Some commentators acknowledge the distinction. Some writers acknowledge the distinction. I believe the distinction is illustrated for us in this story. See, we need to understand it like this. Grateful, most often, is an emotion. I feel grateful. I feel grateful. But being thankful is an action. It's an expression of your gratitude. You do something because you're grateful. And you express. And that's being thankful. So as we take a look at this Samaritan, he didn't pause and say, well, I've been blessed, but I just can't stop thinking about what other bad things might happen in life. And he didn't say, I've been blessed, but I just don't have time to express my gratitude. I'm off to do the next thing. <laughs> Is that what the other nine did? I think it's reasonable. Or he didn't say, I've been blessed, but I just can't get past the fact that I ever had leprosy to begin with. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. I am not being critical. I'm saying that happens in life. And I believe Luke 17 speaks to those kinds of things. So he paused. He returned to the giver. And he expressed his gratitude and he acknowledged the benefit for what Jesus had done. And Luke says he gave thanks. He did something about it. It moved him. If there's a point that Jesus is trying to make with those three questions, and if there's a point that Luke wants us to get, and if there's a point that Luke wants Theophilus to get, it's this. In your life, you may have questions. In your life, you may be busy. In your life, you may experience pain. But turn your grateful into thankful. Let your grateful become your action in life. Don't be controlled by those other things. Be controlled by this. 
if you're grateful for something, if you're grateful for someone, turn it into action. Express it. So it's one thing to be grateful, but thankful takes action. So in Luke 17 and verse 19, And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Get the point? See, some translations say your faith has saved you. And you know what we understand about biblical faith? Biblical faith is combined with belief and action together. So Jesus says your faith has saved you. He wants us to see the equivalent there. And how that should be understood. It's not just being grateful. It's being thankful because that's action and your faith has saved you. Can we see that? Theophilus? It wasn't just that man's body that was changed that day. Theophilus, his life was changed. And you want to know, Theophilus, why? Because he was changed. He was changed. Jesus still changes lives. Because he changes people. And he can turn gratefulness into thankfulness. When you acknowledge the giver. And when you acknowledge the gift and you acknowledge the benefit, the blessing, that's what changes people. That's how your faith saves you. You know, it's that time of year when we pause and we gather. And we give thanks. That's on a national level. But Christians, we should do that all the time. And we especially do that every first day of the week. And when we come to understand these things, you know what that'll do for us? That'll help us to become better thanks givers there's a lot we should be grateful for that's true but as we wrap this up I want to offer a couple suggestions if we're giving thanks to God or to someone else think about the specifics Acknowledge the giver. Acknowledge the gift. Acknowledge the blessing that has been received. 
Can you imagine what that'll do for your marriage? Can you imagine what that would do for your family, for your workplace, for your local church, for your relationship with the Lord? For your life, it'll change your life because it'll change you. So that's the truth, I believe, that's contained in this story. He paused, he returned, he acknowledged the giver, he acknowledged the gift, and he gave thanks because he recognized the blessing. So we think, I think, thank you, Lord, for life and everything that sustains it. But thank you for my wife. She's not here. (laughs) I intended for her to hear this. Anyway, (laughs) I'll get her to listen to this, you know, kudos, right? (laughs) I'm thankful for my son. Thankful for my job. (laughs) Thankful for my brothers and sisters in the flesh. I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thankful for God's Son. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins. I'm thankful for the hope of eternal life. And the list goes on and on and on. We acknowledge the giver. We acknowledge the gift. We acknowledge the blessing. It'll make us better thanksgivers. So when we give thanks, be specific. And let that be the thing that determines your life. I want to extend the invitation to everyone that is here this morning. If we can help you in making your relationship right with the Lord this morning, Let us know while together we stand and while we sing.